0: This is Michael Osterlink, and I'm with Patrick Eddington. He's a policy analyst for Homeland Security and Civil Liberties at the Cato Institute. How are doing, Patrick? Good. Good morning. So you've been working on a bill entitled the Surveillance State Repeal Act. Um, before we get into that and what it actually does do, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I came to Washington in early 1988 to work for the Central Intelligence Agency as a, as a military analyst. Um, and the long story short on that is condensed into a couple of books I wrote about the experience. Um, but I, I learned through that entire process that secrecy is one of the most toxic things that we have in our government today. And that's not to say that there aren't times and situations where secrecy is necessary to truly protect uh, genuinely classified sources and methods. But more often than not, secrecy is used to conceal waste, fraud, abuse, or just government incompetence, bad decision making. And we've seen that over and over again. And I saw that in my time at CIA, and ultimately that's one of the reasons I left. The two books, what are the titles? The first is called Gas in the Gulf, uh, published in 1997 by Insignia Press, and that was about the entire Gulf War Syndrome experience, which is linked to the the chemical exposures that our troops suffered during Operation Desert Storm in 1991. And then the second book is called Long Strange Journey, and it's actually m- in a, a memoir of my entire time uh, at CIA and a little bit of the time after. And of course, the Gulf War Syndrome uh, episode plays a, a pretty big part in that too, but The first half of the book is really a lot about just what it's like to work at the CIA, or at least what it was like during that particular period
0: in time. Cool. So, on to the Surveillance (coughs) State Repeal Act. Yes. Who's introduced it, and what does it do?
1: So, uh, this bill's origins go back to 2013, when then-Congressman Rush Holt of New Jersey uh, introduced the legislation uh, in response to the Edward Snowden revelations. And, excuse me, with Mr. Holt's departure from Congress in 2014, Uh, Mark Pocan of Wisconsin, a very progressive Democrat, who is an original sponsor, a co-sponsor, I should say, of the the original Surveillance State Repeal Act, made it very clear to Mr. Holt that he wanted to kind of take over the bill as a legacy project and and to continue to try to move the issue forward. And he has found a partner in Representative Thomas Massey of Kentucky, who uh, folks may recall in 2014 led a successful effort uh, on the Defense Department Appropriations Bill to amend it to prevent the government from building in or mandating the companies building back doors to their technology products. And the second part of that uh, particular provision prevented the government from using funds to search the the FISA database for uh, U.S. person data in the absence of a probable cause-based warrant. And that particular amendment passed the House by a bipartisan vote of 293 to 123. And portions of the Surveillance State Repeal Act were actually part of that amendment. So we like to say that uh, at least parts of the Surveillance State Repeal Act have already passed at least one House of Congress.
0: We will get into the finer amendments <laughs> in this discussion, but what does the actual bill itself do?
1: So the core of the bill is a repeal of the Patriot Act. and, in I, total. and I And I don't mean just the three provisions that are up for renewal in June of 2015. I mean all 150-plus provisions of the Patriot Act. The bill also repeals virtually the entire FISA Amendments Act with the exception of the court reporting requirements, the FISA court reporting requirements, which we think are actually common sense, and then information related to weapons of mass destruction, which I think all of us want to make sure our government has. Uh, The bill also goes on to uh, require the executive branch to get a warrant, uh, a probable cause-based warrant, if they try to collect information under Executive Order 12333 that involves a U.S. person. And then there are very strong whistleblower protections in this bill uh, and, and some other features. One of the most interesting features uh, that's been added this time is a data destruction provision. And that was added specifically because of concerns that have been expressed to us by gun owners uh, about their data being uh, acquired through the, the Section 215 Patriot Act Metadata Program, for example. Um, so each of these particular provisions, the Section 215 Metadata Program provision, the Section 702, email harvesting provision, and then Executive Order 12333. Any data collected under those that involves a U.S. person who is not currently the subject of an ongoing criminal investigation must be destroyed. The second part is that the Government Accountability Office, Congress's auditing watchdog, is required to verify that destruction. So we're kind of taking a page from President Reagan on that, trust but verify.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, You mentioned the Executive Order, which came under... President Reagan, yes, from what I understand. Can you go a little detail what it does and why we should repeal it? So, at least the, put some controls around it, yeah.
1: So, you know, the executive order 12 triple three was promulgated in 1981 uh, by President Reagan. It governs the overall activities of the United States intelligence community to include collection overseas against foreign intelligence targets. Um, our concern here with the executive order is that it has never been subject to any kind of congressional oversight at all in its history. And John Napier Tai, was the Obama administration's internet freedom guru uh, up until he resigned uh, last year, published an op-ed in the Washington Post after his resignation talking about how this executive order has actually been used to collect U.S. person data in the absence of probable cause, in the absence of any kind of warrants. And from our perspective, those of us who've been working on these issues, Uh, that's a clear violation of the intent
0: uh, of the framers and the Fourth Amendment itself. Uh, You mentioned 215, 702, I assume 505. Can you give me uh, a little bit of background on each one, why we should be concerned about them?
1: So section 215, the so-called business records provision of the Patriot Act, is what has been utilized to harvest the metadata uh, of all of us essentially. When we talk about metadata here we're talking about things like your phone number, your email address, Uh, the subject line of a message, things of that nature. And the thing about metadata is that when you collect enough of it on someone, it really helps you to understand the pattern of their life. It tells you who they talk to regularly, who they text to regularly, who they email with regularly, the websites that they visit, the interests that they have. So again, if you're a gun owner and you've ever called a range to verify when they're going to be open to go out and shoot, Uh, the government knows that. If you've ever bought ammunition online, the government knows that, and so on and so forth. And That to me is just a gross violation of the Fourth Amendment uh, and should absolutely be uh, prohibited. The Section 702 uh, provision of the FISA Amendments Act, which was first enacted in 2008 and then unfortunately renewed without change in 2012, is designed to go after communications of foreigners overseas but in in doing so, because of the nature of the global communications network, it inevitably captures data on Americans, on U.S. persons. And when we were originally debating this bill back in 2008, a number of folks expressed a concern that this provision would be used for what's known as, quote, reverse targeting, end quote. So in other words, while the foreigner uh, is ostensibly the target of your collection activity under Section 702, what you're really interested in is the U.S. person that they may or may not be talking to in the United States, or for that matter, anywhere else in the world. And as we know, that's exactly what's happened here. They have used this provision literally to harvest and to retain email on every single person who has ever communicated with anybody overseas. And because of the nature of the global communications network, the United States, of course, kind of sits essentially as the hub of it. And therefore, communications pass through various nodes here in the United States on their way overseas and then coming back from overseas to recipients here in the United States. So it's an extremely uh, problematic provision, uh, and it's another one that needs to be repealed to ensure that we actually protect the privacy of of Americans. Um, There are a number of other provisions of the Patriot Act that have always been extremely problematic and troubling. One of the most troubling of those is the so-called material support provision, which unfortunately... Um, has been used to prosecute at least one U.S. nonprofit that was actually engaged in peacemaking activities between the Turkish government and uh, Kurdish separatists. And unfortunately, that very expansive definition of material support, uh, the Supreme Court uh, tragically accepted that uh, in 2010. And so the Humanitarian Law Project in California wound up having to pay the price for that. Uh, it's draconian. Uh, that's another one of these provisions that would be repealed, of course, under this bill. 505, National Security Letters? Yeah, National Security Letters have been around, unfortunately, for a very long time. Um, What the Patriot Act did was expand the scope of the use of these things and essentially lower the standard by which they could be employed. So now they basically amount to an administrative subpoena whereby an FBI agent can essentially make a decision to issue one of these things, let's say to a telecommunications provider, uh, in order to get information. And because of the gag order provisions... Uh, that are contained in that provision, and elsewhere in the Patriot Act, it's very difficult, if not next to impossible, for a recipient of one of these things to actually effectively challenge them. So we have administrative subpoenas with no real oversight. We have mass collection of the metadata of Americans, their Internet communications, their social media activity, etc. And we have email and related harvesting, and all of this stuff is sitting on National Security Agency computers, And and the irony in all of this is, not only is the government spying on you and and collecting all this data, but they're using your taxpayer dollars to store this stuff at a new facility that's being built in Bluffdale, Utah. So that kind of adds insult to the injury to the entire picture here, which is why we think
0: it all should just go away. You do a good bit of writing on this and other Mm -hmm. civil liberty topics. Um, Where can people find your writing? Um,
1: you can find per- pretty much everything that I do on the Cato website. The Cato Institute website is www.cato.org. Just click on the Our Experts tab, scroll down to you find me, and click on that face, and you'll be able to read it all.
0: Great. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you.